Welcome back to the Northland Sports Page. We certainly hope you got a bad case of loving us. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. Dave, you talked about sure signs of fall. This song has Dr. Doctor in it. Tell you what, my doctors are going to have to be on call this time of year because Vikings football will start soon. And the Twins will be in a stretch run, so that usually gets the uh, ticker going a little faster than it should. That's right. Like Dave said, we are about to slide into one of the best times of the year. Right. Best or worst, depending upon your perspective. How much do you value your own health? Yeah, no, it's it's going to be great because all the things are coming all at once. Absolutely. March, man. So we're going to talk about the Twins to start hour number two here. Ryan Arola and I will be attending the game this evening. Arola Architecture Studio each and every week brings us drawing lines. That'll be the segment that lies ahead as I've got a bad case of loving the Twins. We'll talk about is it worth it or not this time around. But we got to talk about our sponsors who are all worth it every week. Right, and we can start right there with Arola Architecture Studio. They are the original, right? They're the ones that kept the lights the OG. on. When COVID tried to turn the lights off. So thank you to Ryan. Um, Hoops Brewing, we just talked to Dave a second ago. OAR Holdings, Cross Heating and Cooling, your carrier, HVAC authorized dealer. Advantage Element Screen Printing, Sammy's Pizza. The Blackwoods Group, their locations include London Road in Proctor, into Harbors, Blackwater downtown, and Tavern on the Hill up by the colleges. Avenue 45, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Pier B Resort, Kohler Toyota, and Kohler Hyundai. And, of course, our friends at Comfort Systems, they invite you to sign up for a service appointment. Do it online and mention that you heard it right here on the Northland Sports page. When you do, you'll receive $20 off that appointment. Again, the place to do that online is ComfortSystemsDuluth.com. And, again, some add-ons to what Dave mentioned. Our friends at Mount Royal Bottle Shop do so much for us. They also work with Hoops Brewing on days like today, which is Saturday. 10% off all Hoops products at Mount Royal Bottle Shop on Saturdays courtesy of the Northland Sports page. And then Wednesdays at Mount Royal Bottle Shop, those are wine Wednesdays, 10% off all of their wine selections. And also Wednesdays are a big deal at Blackwater because our healthcare professionals are a big deal all the time. Every Wednesday is Healthcare Professionals Day at Blackwater downtown. With a valid work badge in the healthcare industry, you'll receive 20% off food and drink. It's available in the lounge, on the patio. Live music by Paul Mensa is available. And Paul Mensa does a great job. You can also enjoy the great items on Blackwater's menu. June and January, all the smoke and fondue for two, which should say fondue for two, except for if I'm there because I've housed it myself. (laughs) Fondue for Brian. Absolutely. And if you're not into that, but you're into Tavern on the Hill, which I know you and I are quite a bit, it's a good place to be on the weekends for breakfast. Right now until 2 o'clock, Tavern on the Hill does have a breakfast menu, and I've had it a couple of times. And I will just tell you this. It's delicious as expected. What's unexpected are the large portions. Because as much as I brag about I can do fondue for two as one, Holy cow, I left Tavern pretty full after breakfast. Well, and they have those drinks too, right? The ones with the orange juice in it and stuff that you like. Mimosas? Yes, that's Mimosas what it is. Mimosas with friends, yes. All yep. I need now are some friends. Mimosas always yeah, sound nah, good. Nah, I, I never have enough friends. Right. See, now now if you go to Tavern for breakfast, you can bring your friends because the seating is awesome, right? The outdoor area, if it's beautiful out, you can in and have mimosas. And maybe the reason I don't have enough friends is because most people know I spend a lot of my evenings in the summer very much tuned in to every pitch that is featured in the Minnesota Twins games. So we're going to talk about the Twins today to kick off our number two. Again, part of Drawing Lines, courtesy of Roll Architecture Studio. Basically, the synopsis here is going to be, is this different or not? Because the Twins recently have been in playoff contention frequently, sans, say, 2021. That, that didn't go well at all. But last year was up until right around this time, and they faded very, very quickly. You know, 2020, they made the playoffs. With the shortened COVID season, 2019 had the Bomba squad. The 2000s have been kind of playoff frequent for the Minnesota Twins, but the 2000s have not had any playoff wins, and that's not exaggerating. There haven't been any. 
So how different could this team be? The low-hanging fruit is it could be different because this team can pitch their way out of trouble and none of the previous ones could. But kind of the question with how different is this going to be is where's your confidence level with them? Because I told you this, I think, on Thursday or Friday in a phone conversation. I said, you know, the lead for the Twins is growing, but I don't feel like they're playing that much better. It's just all of a sudden Cleveland doesn't hardly win any games and Detroit is going to be scary in a year or two, but they're too far back to be a factor. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. They uh, they play really well against good teams, and they play really bad against teams they should be obliterating. Um, so I know in today's age where starters aren't as big a deal as they used to be, um, but when growing up, you needed two things, right? You needed a number one because your team was only as good as the next pitcher, right? And you needed a guy who could stop losing streaks. And the Twins have both. And so when we're talking about playoffs, you're not really worried about how you're going to line up against the number one, right? I mean, if they were, and I know the Yankees are very unlikely to be there, but if the Twins are going into New York and they're facing Garrett Cole, like he's, he's, he's great, right? He's historically great. Um, I'm not worried if I'm running Sonny Gray out there. We're not going to get beat, you know, 43 to one like it could have been in the past. I would be worried if they were running Sonny Gray out in New York just because the script would be perfect. Here comes a former Yankee that's going to get shelled at Yankee Stadium. The good news is the Yankees aren't even at the 500 mark, right. so they won't be a concern. So we're not worried about that. But to your point, it looks like the Minnesota Twins, if they make it, and I'm, I'm fully aware that that's still a colossal if. In fact, my good friend Anthony LaPantha said something on the postgame last night that I cringed and almost texted him because he said, you know, that lead in the central for the twins is starting to look insurmountable. And I went five games with 40 left is insurmountable. I, you know, the world has changed and I I don't think it's 40 left. I think it's 50, but you know, five games with that many left is not insurmountable at all. But let's say that the twins end up hosting because they win a division, but probably a wild card from the The mammoth talent of the East. Really? Well, it depends because, Houston and Texas are in a battle, and all of a sudden Seattle's in the mix. Houston and Texas are in a battle, and Seattle's in the mix. They've been the best team since the break. But everybody but the Yankees is pretty good in the East. Boston's been on a run and has the same record as the Twins now. You know, let's say the Twins host a team like the Blue Jays, who will travel well, and it won't feel that much like a home game if they do. Toronto's offense is much better. We just talked about the debate of do you give the ball to Pablo, do you give the ball to Sonny in a game one? Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe the good news is if a team's going to beat you and they might be favored to do so, they'd have to beat both those guys, and not many have done that. No, I I agree with that. And we talked about this in the car last weekend. You know, the thing is, is the Twins' best players have had historically bad years. And they're still where they are. They're due. I mean, the thing is, is long-term numbers tend to be where players sit, right? They talk about regression to the mean or, you know, going back up to the mean. Your shortstop's not going to play like this all year. If the shortstop—that's another tagline, though. We've said that since May, right? But it's—I mean, we're still not wrong, right? Like he should not be this guy because he's never been this guy. So um, he—I mean, if we—if players like him start to play, right? If Buxton does wheel out uh, and he starts to play a little bit of outfield, center field. Who well, knows? the problem but, right now is with Buxton, you'd have to wheel him out there as in a wheelchair. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if we get players to play at the level that we're at and we pitch a little bit, that's a, that's a scary baseball team, Brian. If I'm Houston, I don't want to play the Twins because we can match your starting pitchers and our offense is as good as yours. Texas, if they're hot, Texas might be the best team in the American League if they're hot because they got players everywhere. But they're not. I don't think they're going to finish second. 
I wouldn't mind Baltimore coming. Uh, I wouldn't mind playing Baltimore because they're kids. You know, they may win the East. You won't have they, to. They may win the East, but getting them in the first round, first time through the playoffs, I wouldn't have a problem facing them. The other question is, you mentioned with kids, the Twins actually have several that are contributing. Will the bright lights of the postseason again, if they make it, get too big for them? Now, we all remember Alex Kirilov's Twins debut was in a playoff game. Yep. And who knows if AK is coming back this season or not. But guys like Julian have been a big deal. Walner, you pray that his hand is okay after the way last night's game ended. X-rays seem negative, but X-rays negative on one day, and maybe they do it again today. Who knows? But he's been very, very good. And then you look at Royce Lewis has been asked to do a lot. But he's Easter egg fragile. Well, either way, I'm just saying, are, are they good when everybody's behind them on an August game against the Pittsburgh Pirates? Or how different is it in October when another team that's good is there? Yeah, if they're healthy, I, I just... You know me, I'm the ultimate pessimist. Uh, I was raised by a pessimist, and so I am. But this Twins team just feels like if they get there and people start to believe in them and they're, and the guys who – if the guys who, sh- who should be playing – I mean, Polanco's in this boat too. If they can just get to the spot where their average is, they don't have to be better than right. – if they can just Instead of regression to, to the mean, we need to ascend to the mean. If we get there, the Twins team is scary because we can feel a little bit. See, that's a nice thing. The bright lights and Julian, he doesn't see the ball anyway. Right. So it, but the, um, but the, if, if the, the players that should play – play to the level that they can, and that's taking both Gallo and, and Buxton out because I, I don't know if well, they'll Depending on what happened with Walner, I think Joey Gallo is going to see a lot more time, or Jordan Luplo is, who wasn't here two weeks ago. Yeah, He I pitched know. last Friday. I know. it's, But that's the thing. If if we show up and Luplo is your starting center fielder and Julian's got to play second. And, well, Taylor will be in center. I just wonder and, if Luplo will be in a corner. And, and Solano has to come back early from no – leg injuries to play first. And, and if that's the mess that we walk into there, our pitching better be good. But if we play to the level that just average level for our players, it's a dangerous team. It's going to be the interesting piece because I've said it before. I'll say it again. The only thing this season the twins have done consistently besides starting pitching has been inconsistent everywhere else. The offense has been up and down and the bullpen has been up and down the bullpen to me. I thought of you last night during the pregame show, you always kind of ridicule Bally sports because they spin a positive even when it isn't there. Yes. And obviously going into last night's game, the talk was still how Griffin Jacks got lit up by the Tigers and the Twins blew a game back on Wednesday. Well, so what does Bally do? They kick off the pregame show with talking about how solid the bullpen has been all year. And they underline it with some numbers. And in some ways they were right. And in some ways I thought, boy, I wish other people rushed to protect me when anybody was after me for anything. So here's my question, because going into the season – I think we thought we had a pretty good situation with, let's see if you can get six from your starters. You hand the seventh to, say, a Thiel bar, and in the eighth, you give it to Jackson. In the ninth, you give it to Durant. Well, that was back in March and April. Then you had Brock Stewart prior to the break, and you're like, this guy is the steal of the season. He's pretty much done as well. All of the sudden, and I told you this before we started today, I said, I know it's blasphemy, but Emilio Pagan is my favorite Twins reliever right now. Are you getting six from the starter, giving the seventh to Jax or Pagan, giving the eighth to whichever one you didn't use already, and then hoping Duran finds it again? Because last night, finally, Duran looked like dominant Duran again. But I know baseball very well, and so do you. We laugh about that from time to time. I saw the Pittsburgh Pirates lineup, and I went, I know two of these guys, and one's on my <laughs> yes. fantasy team. Right. 
Right. No, I agree with that. I did the same thing. I look, I said, I know their third baseman. And I know the guy that the Yankees have been trying to sign. For I was years. waiting to see when Andy Van Slyke and Mike Lavalier were going to bat. I was kind of hoping we get to see that O'Neill Perez, the short, the six foot eight inch shortstop who can play, but he's still dinged up. Um, you know, God bless Pagan because he's done what's necessary to get back to the way he was. Uh, he's increased his velocity by like two miles an hour. I read the other day. I don't know if that's sustainable, but keep the foot on the gas pedal. I think if Lopez was still here, the the isn't that right? The kid they got from Jorge? Baltimore, yeah, and he had figured out the stuff that's been difficult for him, and I hope he does regardless. But if he had been able to do that here, I'd feel a little bit better about them. Um, Griffin Jack's a good pitcher when he's healthy. Pagan has been a really good pitcher this year, so I'm hoping that the bullpen does stick together because I think what we saw is. Duran can do really well, but if you use him every day, every week, he's going to lose velocity, and then he's hittable. The last thing I want to say about the Twins, and we'll get to Eric Lofald, Duluth Denfeld head football coach, in just a few minutes here. One of the things that we talked about, this was back on our Grandma's Marathon show, we talked about, in our opinion, the three most maligned on social media, current Minnesota sports figures. And it was Kirk, it was Carl Anthony Towns, and it was Rocco. So obviously with the Twins, I want to touch on Rocco for a moment here. And he still takes a brunt of a lot of criticism. Some is warranted. Some really isn't. I still think that if you're going to get after Rocco, you need to get after the two above him. Falvey and Levine are as responsible, if not more, for the issues that Rocco has presented with for the Minnesota Twins. But now I look at it and I go, these next couple of months right, might really tell us a lot about Rocco Baldelli because this team folded last year around this time. Nobody really knows why. Rocco hopefully does and can push some different buttons. But when it comes to pushing buttons, the Twins have depth. They have a lot of options. We just talked about the bullpen. You could go to Floro, the guy they got for Lopez. You can decide when you want to use Pagan, when you want to use Jax. If you trust somebody like Balazovic this early in his career, you could. The Twins have depth positionally because they've had to with so many injuries. Willie Castro is going to be back eventually. Byron Buxton, we think, is going to be back eventually. Alex Kirilov, we think, is going to be back eventually. We have no idea in timeline when eventually really is. The guys you mentioned that you said, if this is the mess we walk into, we're screwed. Some of those guys have actually been pretty good. Max Kepler has gone from number one trade bait to blasphemy, but he's close to one of the most valuable twins for the second half of the season for sure. Donovan Salado might be their most professional hitter, as much as people don't like him at first base. So my point is this. Rocco's going to have a lot of buttons with which to choose from to push but he's going to have to push the right ones. He he really is. And, you know, what you said to start with is you got to start pointing the finger um, up as well, and I think that's true. Um, but this Twins team is kind of built for the old school style. Right. Sonny Gray wants to throw. Um, Pablo wants to throw. You know, they got to be careful with Ober because his, I mean, this is the most innings he's ever thrown right now. Right. Um, and he was hurt a lot when he was a kid. But you got to let Kenta just go, and that's what Kenta wants. And, and instead, we you know we play this you know okay, it's five and a third. He's thrown eighty one pitches, and that's our limit. I think that Rocco is going to have to let these guys go because that's his strength is his starting pitchers, and he needs to let them start to flex. So here's the question: The Bomba squad won over a hundred games yep. and got run over in the postseason. This squad is probably going to win about eighty five. Do you like? And it, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but do you like this team's chances in a postseason better than the Bomba Squad? No, I thought the Bomba Squad was set up with decent starting pitching as well. They were six inches away on a line drive going into left or right field 
to winning that thing. As soon as that ball was caught, I think I sent you a text saying, okay, they're done for the year. I That team had something special. This team doesn't feel like it has something special. Ask me in a month and a half. See, now I'm going to say, yes, I like this team's chances a little bit better because the starting pitching is that much better. And I also think you crossed up the years. The Bomba years, they got shelled at New York. The line drive you're talking about was home against Houston. Yeah. So I think that's a little bit different. You got one year ahead uh, of the other. See, that's the problem. But speaking of living year to year, Duluth Denfeld football has been doing that and getting better each time around. The head guy, Eric Lofald, he joins us next. Stick around. We'll be right back. Little Wild Wild West from Will Smith. Time to go out to the west end of Duluth. Duluth Denfeld. Very excited for their latest football season. It's just a couple of weeks away. In fact, less than that. I believe it was two weeks from yesterday is the first Friday of the season. And practice, of course, started this week. And friend of the show is how we describe a lot of people. One of our original friends of the show was Eric Lofault. Yeah, Mr. Lofault has been a friend of the show for quite a long time. He uh, connects us not only with with uh, West End football, but Scholastica Golf. He's buddy with Dan there. Um, and I've told you in the past, and I kind of liked the fact that I was able to speak to his his team last year, and it was, it's was it been fun. Eric Lofald is truly one of the best. I think we met somewhere around the age of five or six. In fact, I'll start with this. Eric Lofald, I should tell you, it's going to be a main memories kind of day because I'm going to the Twins game this evening with Ryan Arola and then to spend the morning talking to you if I could just get like Peter Spritzer online too, I think I'd hit just about everybody or find Andrea Priley or someone, but good morning, sir. <laughs> oh man, that's a trip down memory lane. Isn't it? Exactly. Trip down memory lane. That's, yeah. I, we tell, tell fond stories uh, of our, of our childhood growing up together. Uh, bat boys with the main softball team. Yeah. Uh, get to see a lot of those guys down at the curling club. Um, and just, it's, it's like, you know, uncles, it's like having, you know, 10 uncles, 11 uncles. And then Dave, I think we talk about very often how you came in and, uh, talked to us about the trades and really appreciated that time and connected the legacy of, of West Duluth and manufacturing and, and the, the history of the trades in our part of town. And so, yeah, I'm big, big fan of the show. Been listening all morning and, uh, love you guys. We appreciate that. One of my favorite questions that I get is, how do you and Eric Lofald know each other? Because my response is always the same. Well, how much time do you got? So I don't normally yeah. you know, get to say as much as I want to, but we're going to give you a good at least 10 minutes here to talk a little bit about Denfeld football because the enthusiasm surrounding this program just continues to build. And I will tell you that trust the process is one of those phrases in sports that I go, okay, it's being used a little too often. But I know when you came in, there was – a lot to kind of put back together and, and rebuild and, and get the enthusiasm up again. And now after, you know, winning a handful of games, including the big one at Duluth East last year, it's just a different feel around Denfeld football to the masses, but not to you. You felt like this was coming all along, didn't you? Yeah, we did. I mean, we, we believed, you know, when we took over for Frank uh, that we had to put some things together because we lost a lot <clears throat> that year and had one of the most talented classes, you know, that, that I'd been a part of in the 11 years, you know, here in 2018. And then uh, it took some time to get that back. It, it took time to recruit kids back to the program and for kids to, to come through and, and grow up and, and develop. And I feel like this could be – we have, I think, one of the best senior classes since 2018. So, yeah, we're, that process has come full circle. Well, that's the biggest thing because you mentioned kids and obviously in prep sports, technically they're all kids, but you had so many underclassmen playing when you first took over. Now they are part of said senior class. 
How much easier is it when maybe there isn't as much teaching to do as much as literally picking up where we left off? Well, it's a lot of fun, BP. We literally <laughs> talked about that in the office as we as we finished uh, the, our second half of practice yesterday. Is like, wow, isn't this nice to have 19 seniors um, who know what they're doing, who are know the program, know the coaches, and have really stepped up and led these practices? It's probably been the most efficient we've been in five years. You know, we've, we had a chance to see your team grow up a little bit last year, and, you know, your running backs are probably the best, you know, thunder and lightning running backs up here now. Um, how are the numbers uh, generally for the, for the program? And, and tell us about some of the kids we need to pay attention when we come out and do your broadcast. Yeah, uh, we're peaking right now. Uh, whenever we can touch the 70, 75 kid mark from from ninth to twelfth grade, we're, that's kind of our sweet spot, and that's where we're at right now. And um, a lot of the kids that you guys called, you know, called their numbers last last year as sophomores and as juniors are now obviously going to be front and center. And so, you know, we have a quarterback um, with varsity experience in Mace Brooks. And Mace is going to be, he's going to have the keys to the car, so to speak. And um, we're really happy with him. He's just so athletic. He does a lot of things for us, unlocks the offense. We can do a lot of things. We can throw, we can run with him. And then K-Mans, you guys talked about him last year in that East game. I mean, he just looks like a college football player. And um, he's only gotten better uh, during the offseason. So where does this put you in terms of that section? Because you look at 7-4-A, and with all due respect, Eric, it used to be, boy, I hope Denfeld gets off the mat and wins a game or two. You know how the early struggles were for you. Well, now it's different. Now you're more than a competitive team. But, you know, Zags and Hermantown always has a good team. We know what Ogenen's group did last year. North Branch has the quirkiest offense, but it's always effective. Where do you see yourself up against the rest of this section? Well, nail on the head, oh, man, it is such a tough competitive district in a tough competitive section rock ridge comes back into our section this year um with brandon borch their new coach who's a dental grad it doesn't get and like no game is easy and so we just we expect to be competitive though and like you said those mississippi eight days are far from you know kind of long in our rearview mirror i don't miss them i don't know if you do but i don't miss them yeah no, it's either going to be, you know, we, it's either going to East is going to get there one way and against us, or we're going to get against East. And, and it was kind of the toilet bowl. I think you coined that phrase. Um, Guilty as charged. That now, yeah, there is, there is expectations to compete. And that, like you said, at the, at the start of the segment here, there is a buzz and there's an excitement. I mean, three games is, is not a lot of games to win, but it is three more than we, we typically have won in a season um over the, you know the last decade and so to have some of the some of the successes we had beating some of the teams that we beat now the expectation is is to get to the, a level where we're competing every week because you said it oj at cloquet zags at hermantown um justin at north branch greg up in grand rapids it's like they don't have a letdown they have built their programs they are just um, year in and year out, they just seem to find kids to replenish kids they lost. And so you just kind of chuckle when you see the, the preseason promos and every coach around the area is like, I don't know how good we're going to be. We lost a few kids. You know that they're, they're rebuilding or re- reloading. 
Speaking of rebuilding or reloading, I love talking about kids, love talking about X's and O's of football as we chat with Eric Lofald, head coach at Duluth-Denfeld for Varsity Football. But I want to talk a little bit off the field, or maybe we can call it on the field because it's literally the field. Got to talk a little bit about the ceremonial start to your season. Home opener is going to be a big deal for your home stadium, getting a little bit of a different look and a different name to it. Yeah, it's actually going to be, we're going to, it's the September 8th game, so it is the second game. We're opening up with Mora. Uh, we're going to, I think they pushed that ceremony back to the... I'm glad you did that because that means we'll be there that night. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 7 o'clock game, so we can we can do some things. We're going to start a little late so we can have that ceremony. But, um, yeah, I, I've shared this story a couple of times, you know, since this this kind of rebranding, renaming. It, it you know, it is really now going to put a stamp on that stadium. You've called so many games there. I've played games there. It is historic. Um, there's been so much that has happened on that field. And now to kind of um, rebrand it and to really um, celebrate the heritage of, of, of football at that stadium, you know, and Denfeld football being a big part of that. And obviously the two coaches who they are uh, naming the stadium and the field after are two legends, um, not just at Denfeld, but in the state of Minnesota. And so to be kind of in that class, to be named, a, to, you know, to be a Denfeld football coach is a really big deal. Um, there's just, there hasn't been a lot of them. And you look at the, the legacy and the heritage of the program, there's a lot of excitement of what the stadium's actually going to look like. And then obviously just kind of having our own home with you guys having already over on the other side of the town. Now we, we get our stadium as ours. Absolutely. So that'll be new and exciting. One thing that will be new, and it's unfortunate because I want to talk about a legendary figure at Duluth Denfeld, and you talked about legacy and the importance and the heritage of the school and its programs. You've been so good to us as voices in the community. I do public address, obviously, at Duluth East. We do radio together. Dave does public address for Saints Scholastica and Duluth Marshall. You guys had one of the gold standards in public address for a long time. Bruce Wedlin was just the guy and obviously back in March we lost Bruce so to hear a different voice at public school stadium is just going to be weird that's going to feel different for all of us but especially for you having played there having coached there I mean that guy was the ultimate in being supportive of everybody yeah you know the the history of PSS wouldn't be written without Bruce as as part of that um We've been talking a lot about just the impact of a coach has on uh, the community and the school. You know, over 11 years of coaching at Denfeld, football and basketball, how many kids you kind of run into, and it's in the thousands. And then you think of, like, you know, how many games Bruce has called soccer, um, lacrosse, football, and just how many names he's, you know, how many kids have heard their name called over the the PA at that stadium. It just becomes mind-boggling to, to, you know, to how many people – he's connected to and uh, like a cool story about public school stadium and Bruce's um, you're somewhat familiar with where my parents lived yeah. on 63rd Avenue West there up on the hill by Sam's florist in West Duluth. But on Friday nights when there were double headers at PSS, you could hear that eight o'clock game from my parents' house and you could kind of see the glow of the lights of PSS and you could hear the band, but then you could also hear Bruce's voice carry um, miles to um, to our, my parents' house. 
Sam, I'm, glad, stadium, I'm so. glad you mentioned that because close circuit to Sean Road, he's got to stop yelling at me when the grocery store on 60th Avenue East <laughs> says they can hear me. That's a goal. You're supposed to reach a couple miles when, when you're an enthusiastic PA guy. Absolutely, 100%. You bring the energy, right? I like that. So, I, yeah, just, you know, another Denfeld legend kind of told me that. Speaking of PA impact, public address announcers' impacts, I remember the late, great Dick Swanson when I used to come into the East Press box and he was in one of the coaches' box. He's known me for a long time, and he would literally say, oh, crap, Prudhomme's here. We're already down by 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Swanee was good for you know a couple of sarcastic one-liners. So if you didn't, if you didn't get a, a Swanee quip, then uh, you weren't real close to him. And so that just meant you're a close personal friend. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting. Things will be different at public address for public school stadium, but – Things will hopefully be continuing to pick up steam for Duluth Denfeld football. Last question I have for you, Eric, is we always talk about kids and emulation. Who do they want to emulate? You've got an easy one. He's a Duluth legend. He's now slowly yeah. becoming a Minnesota Vikings legend. C.J. Ham, his impact knows no bounds. How often do you bring him up during the season? Uh, not enough, probably. I mean, the kids don't get sick of him because of, of who he is and what he means to, to the community, the program, the school. So yeah, whenever we are, we're talking about role models, we're talking about culture, we're talking about character, we're talking about what kind of, not only just football player we're trying to develop here, but just good people. Um, we call them heroes. You know, he is definitely a hero, and not just because he's playing in the NFL, but because he is genuinely one of the best human beings you'll ever meet. And I think a lot of that is how he was, you know, raised by his parents and shaped by this community, especially on the in the West End Lincoln Park District, where he grew up, you know, Boys and Girls Club, Valley Youth Center, Duluth Denfeld High School, uh, Augustana. They all had a, a little little piece of that. Absolutely. Always good to get a little piece of you, Eric Lofald. We have you on as often as we possibly oh, good can. Good to be back, my friends. Good no, to be back. No doubt about it. All Speaking right, of man. being back, our fantasy football draft will be here before you know it. I know you'll yeah. be a big part of the oh. league again. Hopefully you're a big part of success in the high school football season. Great to chat with you, my friend. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, Dave. All right, that is Eric Lofold, head coach of Duluth Denfeld Football. When we come back, of a bit of a mea culpa on our part. Last week in Egan, we tried to get Vince Glenn by phone. We eventually did, but he got about four or five minutes, and we like to hear more from him. So just hours before preseason game number two for the Vikings, 7 o'clock tonight, you can hear it right here on this station. We're going to dial up Vince Glenn again. He closes the show when we come back with the Northland Sports page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook, stick around. Still dragging the line, Tommy James and the Shondell. We are dragging our way to the finish line of this show, but it's been a fun one. Always a fun couple hours on Saturdays. Want to tell you those two hours should be shifting next week. We talked about tonight, the Vikings preseason game number two with a kickoff at seven. You can catch all the pregame and the game action right here on this station. Same is true next Saturday for the final preseason game, but that final preseason game is going to kick off at noon, which means next Saturday's pregame would be right in the midst of this show and thank you to the powers that be here at Town Square Media. They don't want that. <laughs> they don't want our show to get shortened, so they're going to kick us back an hour. We will be 9 to 11 next week and lead right into that pregame. Well, that's kind of that's kind of nice. The combo platter there is what I was kind of chuckling at. They, you know, the, the powers that be here don't want either. They don't want our show shorter, but they sure as heck don't want us going over the uh, pregame show. So. Right, but the good news was they didn't just say, well, you guys have to move over have for the nice mics. Weekend, right, boys. they didn't say take one off and enjoy it. <laughs> we almost inadvertently gave Vincey Glenn a weekend off last weekend as we struggled to get him from down in Egan, but we got him. We just didn't get him for long enough, so we're going to go to him in just a few minutes. But before we do, one last shout-out of love to our sponsors. Absolutely. Let's start with Kohler Toyota and Kohler Hyundai. 
Pier B Resort, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Avenue 45, the Blackwoods Group, including the locations on London Road, in Proctor, in Two Harbors, Blackwater Downtown, and Tavern on the Hill up by the colleges, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Krause Heating and Cooling, your carrier carrier up here in northeastern Minnesota, your carrier HVAC authorized dealer, OAR Holdings, Hoops Brewing, and Arola Architecture Studio. You're going to the game today with Ryan. Everybody should talk to Ryan when it comes to drawing up your plan. Absolutely. Ryan Arola and I will be headed down to Target Field for the Twins game. That starts at 10 after 6 this evening. Minneapolis should be bustling with the Vikings kicking off preseason game number 2 at 7 o'clock tonight as well. Meanwhile, one more sponsor to talk about. Sign up for a service appointment from Comfort Systems. Do it online and mention you heard it right here on the Northland Sports page. When you do, you'll receive $20 off that appointment. All you got to do is visit ComfortSystemsDuluth.com. So again, last weekend was an unforgettable experience being down in Egan at TCO, but we wanted to chat with Vensi for longer than we did. That's the beauty of having a weekly show. We just dialed them up again here today. Vensi, we hope this is easier in terms of connectivity, and good morning, my friend. Oh, good morning. This is very easy. How you guys doing? Doing well. Wonderful. Always better when we talk to you. Now, I feel like we're a bit of a sitcom-type program where hopefully the next episode just picks up where the last one left off. <laughs> the last question I asked you at the close last week was the implementation of Brian Flores as the defensive coordinator and how much difference can he make. And you immediately said this is going to be up to the players on the field. I want you to elaborate on that a little bit further because we all know if the Vikings are going to get better this year – going to have to start on that side of the football oh the biggest issue there about just having a new coordinator he has total different philosophy and when you get guys coming in from different teams terminology and philosophy you have to make sure that when you go out and get veterans or free agents or draft picks that they understand that kind of philosophy that they played in that kind of philosophy too a lot of guys that are used to playing zone zone defenses and teams that play a lot of zone and, and you know, matchup, then they got to go out and play, start playing one-on-one when they go to another team. It's different. It's just different. It's just changing up your mentality, how you prepare week in and week out, and, and, you're, and your strengths become maybe your weaknesses mm-hmm. because you haven't done it before. And when you haven't done something before on a regular basis, you're not as confident and so that brings hesitation. And so you bring Brian Flores in, who's a high-energy guy, great great coordinator. Now you got to get not only the defense and your starters and the all-pros and the safeties to learn this new terminology, but they got to be comfortable with it on the fly. And that's hard in preseason, especially when you're not getting a lot of reps together because starters don't really play in preseason. Yeah, that's that's very true. We've been talking about that. You know, if you were a zone cornerback last year and you were feeling good about that system, you had to take a deep breath when when Flores walked in the door. Speaking of, um, Vincey, I've been wanting to ask this question of you for a while now. The the Vikes have an undrafted free agent linebacker that everybody's crowing about, that this is going to be the next guy. Um, the other day, Andrew Booth Jr., who was supposed to be a guy, made a great interception and threw the ball right at a Tennessee football player. When you were in uh, the league, and well, frankly, now, was there a time when you would see a player and you said, that guy is going to be good, he gets it, or wow, what do we got here? Because Booth Jr. seems like he's dropping the ball pretty hard by not just understanding where he's at in the 
in in uh, the confidence level. You know, you make a great play and then you pitch the ball at another player, which would have been a 15 yard deal. Is there ever a time when you were a player and you just went, "This kid don't get it"? A lot, uh, all the time. You have those guys. You, you know what I'm saying? And 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 it's even more prevalent nowadays because they they glorify these kids. And before you've done anything, they're telling you how great you are, how good you're going to be, and you're the top-rated this and the top-rated that. And you ain't even played on Sunday yet, less known Saturday or in the preseason game. And then you go out and you make mistakes, and everybody makes young, young mistakes because they get out there. It's a high-intensity sport and emotions flow. But a lot of these guys really believe what their friends and the people around tell them, and they start – putting on shows when they get out there. It's almost an attention getter. How do I get attention? Well, go out and make a bunch of tackles and plays, and you'll get a lot of attention. You know what I'm yep, saying? Yep. But you also get attention when you go out there and you cheap shot and you're not a professional. Now you start getting your your name and your stuff put up on the locker room walls and saying, hey, this guy's dirty, this guy doing that. Just like Mark Andrews, the tight end, picks up the uh, – the defensive back for the commanders and body slams and yeah, injures yeah. his rotator. What kind of shit? What is that? <laughs> what is that? Right. You know, it's just non-professionalism in a, in a sport that they call professionals. And it's just the league is just kind of let these guys go say, I'm this and I'm that. And instead of like, Hey, we got a protocol. And I'm sure the coach uh, Harbaugh says something to him and Mark Andrews knows better than that. But you get these guys that get their emotions and their feelings so caught up that they, they lose control and make mistakes that normally come back to haunt them. We are once again chatting with Vikings legendary safety, Vincey Glenn. Vincey, I want to talk about the safety position a little bit. How important is it to play together as a tandem at that position? I know free and strong are different, but Harrison Smith has been all world for a long time, and we've begged for a good partner to be back there with him. Cam Bynum looks like he could be a player, but how important is picking the brain of the other safety or working in tandem with him? I think about how good you and Todd Scott were. Tandems like that. How important is the communication? Big. We spend all the time together. That's the thing about these guys. Everybody goes home and do their own thing. You know, it's like individualists out there trying to play together once a week on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? And he's had, and, and Harris has, has had a few different safeties back there with him. Has a few different coordinators, too. So you, you, you're in there and you're trying to learn these philosophies, but at the same time, you got to help these young guys. And every year, he's playing with a different group of guys back there. And it's hard as a safety because you have to learn these guys and you learn them over the course of years, not on the fly, week in and week out, because guys get banged up, come in and out. But back when I played, you play with the same guys pretty much for 16 games, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it was that, and you build this camaraderie and trust. And the biggest thing in the secondary is trust. You have to trust each other and know that everybody's on the same page all the time. Even if the ball went to the other side of the field, me and Audrey talk about Audrey McMillan, what you see back there, Matt? You know, so we knew that when they did this on the side, this is what's going on back on our side. So just in case they come back, we ready. So it's a constant communication throughout the game. When you come to the sideline, get on the bench, talk. What you see that play? Hey, man, I saw this. He, hey, on this play, they're trying to set us up. So you communicate and then you stay alert and you're, you're, you're 
fighter senses are heightened. I love hearing Andre McMillan. I love hearing Andre McMillan's name get dropped. Two five talking about old number twenty six. I like it. Yes, he was. He was that secondary we played together with the ninety two and ninety three. It was just the gospel. The glory days (laughs) of the Vikings secondary in my junior high years. Go ahead, Dave Cook. (laughs) Oh, they just dated us there, didn't he? Um, Hey, uh, Vincey. The Jets just brought in Delvin Cook, and they've they've kind of been this big show with Rodgers and stuff. But Rodgers has been there since the beginning of camp. Now, in your experiences, when you bring in a another alpha dog like Delvin Cook is in the middle of camp, how does that change the atmosphere in the building? Is it usually for a positive? Can it be a negative? How does that change when somebody comes in late in the system? Oh, it's, it's definitely it's going to change for a positive, but. The positive the Jets already needed is getting Aaron Rodgers. You can't get no higher than that. This is just like having a big old chocolate fudge sundae and a cherry already on there, and you sprinkle some nuts on top of it, and now it's complete. But here's my thing about Dalvin Cook. Why? I don't know why NFL teams didn't want him. Why he signed a one-year deal for $3 million, I have no idea. But this is my best get, and I have no clue, and I'm, I'm just guessing on this, that – he may, may not be a, a locker room guy, and he might be a little busy off the field at times. And coming in camp and not playing football at the running back position or DB or physical position and just going out there through the motions and coming in and think I'm going to line up week one and just go go through the year, I, I believe Dalvin Cook will be injured by week six, seven. I, I just – it's, it, football is now where these guys don't prepare for the season. They just try to play the season. And you have to train your body. And the way these guys sit out and don't practice and and all this monitoring and all this, man, you just can't stay healthy in that sport like that. He's already been prone to be injured through his career and get nicked up. And now he's trying to go just come out of training camp and sit out. I'm sure his coach, the agents told him to, you know, don't worry about training camp. We'll sign right before the end, get you a couple reps. But you as a player know you need training camp. Speaking of training camp, the big to-do with the amount of starters that don't play in the preseason are these joint practices, just like the Vikings had this week with the Titans, the team they play tonight. But at these joint practices, the players that aren't playing tonight were front and center. You took us back to your era of training camp, talked about how much earlier it was, how much more intense it was. There were joint practices back then too, correct? And what were they like? Oh, a lot of fighting. Okay, a lot of fisticuffs. It was hitting. It was really hitting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you like Even in the 707 drills, it was high intensity because the way you looked and approached football was different. It was high intensity every day because that was the NFL back then. It was physical. It was you had to come to practice, buckle up, you know, and go through the drills and go through goal line and just harden your body for the hard times. And it was just a different game. It's hard to explain. And anybody played back then over the last 40 as opposed to the last seven or eight, it was just a different game. You know, it's not bad or worse, anything like that, but the physicality part of it preceding the first game of the season was totally different. That was a question I was going to ask. We just had a high school football coach on, and you said something last week, and you just said it again. You said you got to practice to harden your body. For people that don't know what that means, 
What do you mean when you say that? When you say you got to practice to harden your body? Uh, my easiest way of saying this is: Let's think of a boxer. Could you imagine going to fight Mike Tyson and you just shadow boxing? You ain't getting your body hard to take them blows if you can take them anyway, and you just out there shadow boxing in the mirror at home while you're in the bathroom. <laughs> and like, oh, he ain't gonna be able to hit me. I'm gonna duck and die. And then you go out there and he hitting you with blows galore, and you can't take them because your body's not physically capable of taking that constant hit. And that's what I mean that you have to harden your body, you have to harden your mind, you have to like go through this this metamorphosis of conditioning your body to take that because it's a shock value when you get hit in the NFL. Your body goes into little shock and traumas every time. You might recover in two seconds, but there's trauma there. And when your body's not conditioned to that trauma, it's magnified. That's all I'm saying. No question about it, Vincey Glenn. We love hearing what you're saying. Good to have you again this week. Next week, this show will be in a different time slot. We probably won't talk to you in the morning, but next week after the Vikings' final preseason game, it's going to be the debut of a new show here on The Fan. It's going to be Steve Petosha and myself. It's called Time for Two More. It's going to be a specific Vikings postgame show. I know you and I have talked about it. I will probably talk to you next Saturday in the afternoon. You got it, pal. I appreciate it and look forward to it, man. You guys are the best, and I appreciate you. Absolutely. You are one of the best as well. We can always count on you. Thanks for being available again this week. And like I said, I'll talk to you throughout the week, but certainly next Saturday afternoon, we can uh, do a little preview show. We can round up the preseason and talk about the regular season. I look forward to it. You got it. Be safe, my friends. You as well. That's our buddy 2-5, Mr. Vincey Glenn. Closing out another edition of the Northland Sports Page. Lots of people to thank today. Thank you to Dave Hoops. Good to have him back. Thank you to Eric Lofold. Thank you to Vincey Glenn once again. And thank you, Dave Cook. It's always fun. Last week, unforgettable, but this wasn't a bad act following it either. Yeah, you know, this uh, This is always fun. And yeah, it's it's so much fun to talk football with Vincey. It's, it ends the show for me in a real positive manner. Absolutely, it does. Hopefully positive things for the Twins tonight. Ryan Arola and I will be there. Hopefully positivity for Dave Hoops going down to U.S. Bank for the Vikings game as well. But everybody, please remember, it's preseason week two. Take a breath. Yes. Next weekend, we will be back. We'll be back at a different time slot because of the Vikes preseason. Look for us 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. next Saturday. We'll talk to you then.